Okay. Um, <laughs> it's really large, isn't it? This is for everyone to be able to read today. Um, gosh, like, what was really interesting about this text is, um, for, for those of you who are really biblically literate, you might have heard this statement about swords into plowshares before. It happens three times in the Old Testament. And one of the times, it's, it's actually an inversion. It's backwards, um, which is kind of cool. Um, but the idea, in my mind, has always been about the bringing of peace. But there's another message. And we'll walk through that together today. So, Chase, I have my thing. So we'll see if it works. Oh, I get bummed out every time it doesn't work. I'll just point at you. Okay. So in our journey in the narrative lectionary so far, we've been really talking a lot about God's covenant with, with Israel and God's covenant with us and seeing how consistently over time God has been faithful. So where we've come from is that God has delivered the Hebrew people, created a covenant with them, and, bring, and have brought them into the promised land. Next, Chase. Um, God gave them prophets and kings and established them as a nation. So they're rising to prominence out of being really nothing. They weren't a nation at all. But they're a tiny nation stuck between great world powers. I think Israel suffers from this today still. Um, And so they're encountering this question, are there other gods a better bet than Yahweh? Um, gosh, I, I was so excited because I don't know if Tim actually read the passage for today or anything, but when we sang the Our God, Chris Tomlin song, I mean, that's what that was about. Are there other gods better than Yahweh, the God that we know? Um, and that's really awesome. So Israel is just encountering that question. So in this text that we're going to be reading today, there's a lot of names and it's a lot of confusion. So I'm going to give you kind of a little summary. Um, so one of the superpowers that um, Israel is kind of stuck in between is Assyria. Um, they're, they're like the superpower of the day. Um, they've destroyed everything in the path on the way to Judah, which is the only kingdom that's surviving, because this was in the time of the divided kingdom where there was Israel, the um, southern kingdom, and or the northern kingdom, and Judah, the southern kingdom. And so Israel is already destroyed. Now Assyria is essentially at the gates of Jerusalem, ready to assault and destroy Judah as well. Okay, so they're really vulnerable. Um, Hezekiah is the king of Judah at this point. Um, he's been a pretty faithful guy. He's torn down what they call the high, place in his, high places for worship and has really centralized all their worship in the temple. And so he's like, we've got this thing going on. We know Yahweh, and we are serving and loving Yahweh. So let's go to the scriptures. In the 14th year of King Hezekiah, King Sennacherib of Assyria came, against, came up against all the fortified cities of Judah and captured them. The king of Assyria sent Rabshakeh from Lachish to King Hezekiah at Jerusalem with a great army. He's just an emissary, this Rabshakeh guy. So he's, he's the one who's speaking for um, King Sennacherib. 
He stood by the conduit of the upper pool on the highway to the fuller's field. And there came out to him Elikim, son of Hilkiah, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna, the secretary, and Joah, son of Asaph, the recorder. So these are essentially Hezekiah's people. They're they're his representatives. Then Rabshakeh stood and called out in a loud voice in the language of Judah. Hear the words of the great king, the king of Assyria. Thus says the king, do not let Hezekiah deceive you, for he will not be able to deliver you. Do not let Hezekiah make you rely on the Lord by saying, the Lord will surely deliver us. This city will not be given into the hand of king, the king of Assyria. Do not listen to Hezekiah. For thus says the king of Assyria, make your peace with me and come out to me. Then every one of you will eat from your own vine and your own fig tree and drink water from your own cistern until I come and take you away to a land like your own land, a land of grain and wine, a land of bread and vineyards. Do not let Hezekiah mislead you by saying the Lord will save us. Has any of the gods of the nations saved their land out of the hand of the king of Assyria? Where are the gods of Harmath and Arpad? Where are the gods of Sepharavim? Have they delivered Samaria out of my hand? Who among all of the gods of these countries have saved their countries out of my hand? That the Lord should save Jerusalem out of my hand. Okay, keep going. When King Hezekiah heard it, he tore his clothes, covered himself with sackcloth, and went into the house of the Lord. And he set Elakim, who was in charge of the palace, and Shebna the secretary, and the senior priest, covered with sackcloth, to the prophet Isaiah, son of Amoz. They said to him, Thus says Hezekiah, This day is a day of distress, of rebuke, and of disgrace. Children have come to the birth and there is no strength to bring them forth. It may be that the Lord your God heard the words of the Rabshakeh, whom his master, the king of Assyria, has sent to mock the living God, and will rebuke the words that your Lord your God has heard. Therefore, lift up your prayer for the remnant that is left. When the servants of King Hezekiah came to Isaiah, Isaiah said to them, Say to your master, Thus says the Lord, do not be afraid because of the words that you have heard. With which the, king, the servants of the king of Assyria have reviled me. I myself will put a spirit in him so that he shall hear a rumor and return to his own land. And I'll cause him to fall by the sword in his own land. Sennacherib is the king of Assyria, and he sends Rabshakeh to do his dirty work. He's calling him out. He's saying, no way. There's no way that your God can defeat us. There's no way. All of these other people in these lands, they worship their gods. And their gods didn't save them. So what makes you think that Yahweh is going to save you? Those are the words that we hear when we doubt God's provision. I mean, I I feel like there's probably a million stories that we can tell 
of times where something has been spoken or circumstances have occurred that seem impossible. Where the logical response is, there's no way. There's no way that God can pull me through. And I just want to offer up this section of our time today to to be able to bear testimony to those impossible situations. Somebody lift it up. That's awesome. Thanks, Shirley. Who else? Who has a testimony of where God came through? when everything around you is saying it's not going to happen.
Awesome. I mean, and I think, you know, God provides for us every single day, and most of the time we don't even notice. And it, and it oftentimes will take, you know, the desperate circumstance, the knowing that you're not going to be able to pay that bill, knowing that there's no money to get gas to do those things that God has called you to do, and you're just, like, crying out. I mean, how much more would God be pleased by us crying out to him in our abundance? That's convicting. Okay. So, you know, sometimes those circumstances that we walk in are like the king of Assyria coming up and standing outside of our city, our lives, with this army, this impossible thing, this impossible feat. And that's when we really get afraid because those voices are saying to us over and over again, your God's not going to defeat me. Your God is not going to have victory. But the truth of the matter is that God is already victorious. He's already overcome sin and death to bring us into life. And no matter what kind of circumstances we walk through in our physical bodies, we are not overcome. We are not broken. We can claim victory in Christ. So even if the money didn't come through, you still know Jesus and your, hand, your life is in his hands. So that's a rock that we can stand on. And what was interesting to me in this passage is that um, Rabshakeh spoke in the language of the people of Judah. He took the way that they understood the world and used it against them. And the voices in our head and our circumstances and the enemy will use all of those things against us too. It'll hit us where it hurts the most or where we have the least amount of faith. Like we have to be aware of that. We have to listen and discern and be patient and hear what God is speaking to us in those moments. So you can skip down a couple, Chase. Um, Hezekiah's response was to go to the temple. I mean, he was, he was concerned, obviously. I mean, he's a leader of this nation that is about to fall, he believes, to this foreign enemy. And he's looking for advice. 
I mean, I think that's that's a worthy response. And he, he went he went to the prophet Isaiah in the temple and tore his clothes, and he was in mourning. He was doing everything he could to lift this up to God. Um, so when we're in those moments, we should do the same thing. I mean, we're, I'm not asking you to tear your clothes. And it's not like you have to run to the living room because this is some special place in that way. But what I'm saying to you is get on your knees. Go to the people that are the prayer warriors in your life. Dig into the word. That's where we need to go. Okay, Chase. Okay. When we're attacked, we're afraid. There's a lot of stuff out in the world that tells us to be afraid. I mean, it's everywhere. I think now that we have, like, constant 24-hour news cycle, we're bombarded with things that tell us to be afraid. There's voices that tell us to be afraid of people that are different from us. There's voices that tell us that our country is going to just completely implode if this and that or the other thing occurs. I mean, there's a lot out there that says that we need to just hole up in our houses and not interact with anyone and just keep in our own community. But that's not how God operates. God wants us to be able to look outward. To see in the midst of something that's telling us there's scarcity or that we need to take, take, take into ourselves, that there's a world of abundance that's his kingdom. God's economy is not the same as ours. In God's realm, there is always enough. I feel like when we walk in faith, There is provision at the last moment when it's really, really clear that it's not us doing or manufacturing anything to create that. God is the one that has the final word in every situation. He is the one that defines reality. He replaces fear with love and purpose and hope. Because fear makes us just draw inside. It keeps us from sharing with people. It keeps us from being open to the way that God is moving in our lives and hearts. You know, God's first word through the prophet Isaiah was, do not be afraid. And I think about when the angel came to Mary and to ever, like when the angels come, the first thing that they say is, do not be afraid. Church, do not be afraid. Do not be afraid of the places that God is leading you that seem impossible. Do not be afraid 
of your bank account or your lack thereof. Do not be afraid of all of the steps that it seems to be in front of you to take to be able to get to some place that you know that God is calling you. Our our human minds are just so finite. And we can't understand how to get from A to Z. Because we want all these little steps to be able to make sense. And I'm not saying that God doesn't work through plans. Because he does. Especially in the lives of folks that have a hard time planning. This This is the thing that I've learned. God will take us where we're at and expect us to be kind of the opposite of that. You know, I'm a planner. So God's like... No, you need to trust me without the plans. But for some of y'all that are not planners, God's like, okay, now you got a plan. All right? You know, true? You know, you know, me telling you not to be afraid does not banish your fear. You need to soak that in prayer. You need to be in community with people that love Jesus that can speak that over you continuously. You have to take that into your heart because our brains will tell us everything over and over that that's wrong. Because it's like when you, when I've been to the CN Tower in Toronto and there's glass on the observation deck. And what your brain tells you when you stand on that glass is that you are going to fall to your death. And you respond physiologically to that. But when you're standing on that glass, you are safe. You can see, and it's an amazing view. And if, you're, if you trust your brain and you don't step out on that glass, you're going to miss out on this incredible view. Don't miss out on the incredible view that God has for you by stepping out onto that glass, embracing your fear and saying, no, God has more and I will not be afraid. And You know, we just need to speak that over each other over and over again. Do not be afraid. Do not be afraid. And I think when we're embracing community with one another, we know where the enemy presses on us, the places that we're afraid, the things that we hold on tightly and we don't release to God. We can say to one another, open your hands. Don't be afraid. Okay, let's get to the next few. Keep going. Keep going. All right. Yeah. Bullet points. God's like, no, that your plan is garbage. We'll have something else that will come out of your mouth. Okay. <laughs> Amen. All right. So what was interesting in the lectionary is they took this whole section in Isaiah 36 and 37 and then kicked it back to something in the beginning of Isaiah. Um. I'm just trying to read it. The word that Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. So this is like the future foretelling. In days to come, the mountain of the Lord's house shall be established as the highest of the mountains and shall be raised above the hills. All the nations shall stream to it. Many people shall come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the house of God of Jacob, that he may teach us his ways, and that we may walk in his paths. For out of Zion shall go forth instruction, and the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. 
He shall judge between the nations and shall arbitrate for many peoples. They shall beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nations shall not lift up sword against nation, neither shall they learn war anymore. You know, Judah and Jerusalem was facing this military might. But what God had to speak through Isaiah was that those swords, they need to become something to harvest the food, to be prepared for, for everyone. Those pruning hooks need to happen instead of spears. Because it's not about the warring. It's about the abundance. said it's not about the warring it's about the abundance that can come when we realize that we can step out of our fear and just say I'm providing I can I can take my sword and I can choose to plow the ground and to plant the seed and to grow the grain to make the food for everyone so I can feed people instead of kill people So when our gaze shifts from a horizon of fear to a horizon of hope, you know, trust in God grows some deep roots that really sustain us. And the picture of this that came to me was just Peter walking on water. You know, I was trying to figure out if I wanted to do a video because I have the last couple of times and um, I was on YouTube and there was a section from the, the Bible series that was on the history channel about Jesus walking on water. And, you know, they had a pretty intense storm going on. And then Jesus shows up in the middle of that storm and calls out to Peter to come and walk. I mean, talk about defying the laws of physics and everything. I mean, he was turning it all upside down. It's this huge storm. He's walking on the water, for goodness sakes, and he's calling Peter. I mean, he's just a mortal man. He is just a guy to come out there in the middle of the storm to him. When did Peter sink? When he looked away from Jesus. I mean, when we look away from Jesus is when it's like everything around me is in confusion. And that's when we sink. And you can feel it in yourself when you let that fear embrace you. So let's look. Don't let it embrace us. Let's trust in Yahweh. Let's trust in the God that has delivered us, that has brought us to the promised land, that has put our feet on solid ground, that has saved us from sin and death and brought us into life. Now, that's the God we know. And when those voices come and speak our language and tell us all the ways that God is not going to deliver you from this impossible circumstance, then we can say, no, the God I know loves me and knows what's best. 
So bring it on. But you're not going to shake me. Because you're not going to shake the one who holds me up. Chase, can you go to the next one? Okay. I guess I had more than I thought. That's the next one. Okay. I wanted us to be able to pray together. Um, in the bold, it's most of it. We'll all do it together. I'll start us off. Draw us into your love, Christ Jesus, and deliver us from fear. Lord, make me an instrument of your peace. Where there is hatred, let me bring love. Where there is injury, pardon. Where there is doubt, faith. Where there is despair, hope. Where there is darkness, light. Where there is sadness, joy. May this season be full of believing God for more than what our eyes can see. Amen. Um, We're going to do communion today. And... I mean, it's just, you don't have to press that until I tell you. You got to (laughs) wait. That's okay. Um, Communion is the celebration of God's amazing gift to us through Christ. You know, he is our means to be able to be back in relationship with God. I mean, he is the source of our life. He is... He is the vine, and we are the branches, and we don't have any life unless we're connected to him. And this table is a celebration of that. Come to the table, one and all. Bring your fears, failures, hopes, and joys. At this table, we are one people, celebrating the gift of life given by Jesus. Eat, drink. Remember the one who made you clean. Receive his forgiveness. Embrace reconciliation with God and others. Choose something. Choose to see something bigger than your circumstances today. Knowing that God goes before you. Let's celebrate this table together. Judy's going to come and help me out. All are welcome. Come.
You are bigger than the armies of Syria. You are bigger than illness. You are bigger than debt. You're bigger than uncertainty. You're bigger than us. God, help us to seek that perfect love that casts out fear. To live in a kingdom of abundance. to remember that we are citizens of a reign of God and not citizens of a broken world. God, empower our hearts to be able to say no to fear and to embrace hope, possibility, life, and newness. God, give us a vision for what it means to be citizens of your realm and not one that's stuck in this terrestrial plane. God, may we bring this hope to all that we meet, Father. Because this is not what it seems to be. This is not all there is. Lord, send us out with triumphant voices resonating with your power and hope and light. God, make us new every day. God, bring us to our knees when the voices overwhelm us, God, and that you would raise us to our feet again to stand on the rock that is your name. Jesus, you are power and might. Let us remember that and not see you just as this weak one who is on the cross, but you are the resurrected God. You have come to make this world something new, and we are your hands and feet. So, Lord, let us be your hands and feet this day and this week. And let us not be overcome. We are not afraid. And in your name we pray. Amen. Right, go. You are sent out. Welcome.